0: the crux of the matter episode 59 church politics hello welcome to the crux of the matter my name is pastor todd peppercorn
1: and this is professor scott stigmeyer
0: hello scott how are you today
1: hey todd doing well doing well um how about yourself
0: i'm well i'm uh Kind of in the midst of uh, jumping through a lot of hoops, getting ready to teach that class in Fort Wayne. And uh, and so that's definitely um, keeping my attention going. And then after that, we go on vacation. So 27 things going all at once, which frankly is not that unusual for pastors anyway. And it so all has to be done by Saturday. And it all has to be done by Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. Um, are you uh, are you uh, back to teaching yet? Or are you still in your prep mode? Yeah,
1: I'm not teaching right now. I don't teach for the month of June. Um, I I begin teaching my bioethics course for nurses in in July fifth, actually. Okay. And um, but so what I'm doing, I am taking a class. Uh, I am. I've begun taking doctoral classes from Loyola Chicago in okay. bioethics. And I'm taking a class called narrative ethics, um, which is uh really kind of a mind bender for me. It's, it's, using literary theory and applying it to bioethical situations, you know, and, and, you know, having people tell their story and what are the elements of story and, you know, and it's, it's, it's actually, you know, kind of intriguing because narrative theology is, is, is a thing, Um, but it's not something I I'm real familiar with. So it's uh it's a lot of new stuff for me to digest. Yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely. Well, one of the uh, things I'm I'm continuing to get ready for is this class I'm teaching, uh, which is uh, pastoral renewal and spiritual growth. I talked about it a little bit last week. So, mm-hmm. um, the students here, this is a hybrid class, so it's part of it's online, part of it's in person. And the students in this class, I have eight eight students, have been uh, writing these reviews of different, uh, I'll say, different meditation tools. Mm-hmm. So, one of the assignments was something that worked in the original languages, like Light on the Path. Uh, and then last week's assignment was a Lutheran breviary or some kind of Lutheran meditation tool that could that could mean like Doberstein's Minister's Prayer Book. And then this week is uh, using a non-Lutheran or pre-Lutheran uh, meditation tool. So, um, <clears throat> and I haven't really read those yet, but so that could uh, be an
1: early Church Father, or right,
0: could be an early Church Father. I mean, could be Benedict's Rule. Um, so what about I, something I, I, contemporary, but non-Lutheran? Is exactly. That contemporary, about, non-Lutheran. <laughs> uh, I know that one person did an Anglican breviary. Um, I think uh, somebody else is going to do Pius Parsha's um, five volume, The Year of Grace. Uh, it will be interesting to see if anyone takes up the uh, my suggestion of interviewing a non-denominational pastor and talking with them about what does a daily kind of meditation on the scriptures look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know yet, so mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll find out. But I'm yeah. enjoying I'm enjoying reading those, and uh, it definitely is uh, keeping my attention along the way. Yeah, so that's fun. That's fun. But we have a topic for this week, and I think it will be a good one. It is certainly a it's certainly a relevant topic, and our topic is church politics. So uh, let's play word association for a second. When you hear the phrase "church politics," what do you think about, Scott? <laughs> lies, damn lies,
1: and statistics—something like that. I just, yep, is that what Mark Twain said? There are three kinds of lies. Yep, yep. Um, I, you know, church politics. I, I think we automatically the first thing we think of is is that it's dirty. Yep. Somehow. Yep. Yep. You know, or that it's um you know there's there's sneakiness or underhanded behaviors or um if not outright sinful behaviors at least ethically questionable behaviors at least questionable yeah right
0: and, and, and i don't know in my mind it's not the church part that leads to all of that or mm-hmm. kind of makes us assume all of those things it's the politics end of it mm-hmm. and because politics are so are, are perceived as so dirty And so full of lies and so anything else that if there are elements in the church that kind of parallel our our um, contemporary culture uh, when it comes to governance, let's say, that always is going to be an interesting tension in the best of in the best of the term. Yeah. Now, now, in my mind, Scott, politics is the art of of the possible. Politics is is figuring out how people with lots of different viewpoints and lots of different ways of doing things come to an agreement on what to do and then how to do it. And, And so politics almost by definition implies compromise. It implies recognizing different viewpoints it, invi- it involves um, lots of these sort of things. And I think in my mind, tell me if I'm crazy on this. And I think that the challenge there is that when it comes to the church, because we're so used to thinking in very, very concrete terms uh, about the, you know, the, the truth of the scriptures, of the gospel, and that these things are not compromisable these things are not something that you can just say all right well how about we have jesus does 98.7% of our salvation and you can get 1.3% on your own well <laughs> no <It's> semi pelagianism <laughs> <So, clears throat> exactly and so the the mere concept of politics Almost smacks of false doctrine because it implies compromise, at least in my mind. And yet at the same time, not everything that happens in the church is a strictly theological matter, not in my mind.
1: No, no, no. I think, I mean, in fact, I think sometimes people get confused on that. I've had people tell me. You know, I might be talking about what I consider a theological subject, like women's ordination. Sure. And so I've had actually I've had someone say to me, "Oh, you know, that's just church politics." It's like, well, no. I mean, it has political implications. Sure. But, but we're actually, I'm actually wanting to discuss with the, with you what the Word of God teaches. That's not politics. It's, right. It can be a way to dismiss an issue, a touchy
0: issue as well. Anything. Uh huh anything yeah, yeah absolutely and if I look at it I look at the history of the church and you you read any kind of accurate history of the church the church has engaged in politics from the very very beginning because yeah. the church is made of human beings and and human beings um are first of all are sinners but Human beings also can can actually have different ways of doing things. Neither of which may be wrong. So what happens if, you know, just speaking, thinking very concretely, what happens if you want to send a, a missionary to the Philippines or to Uganda? How do you make that decision? You can only send one. Right. Well, right. you're going to have some people that want to do the one way, right? And some people want to do the other way, right? Right. And so somehow or another, you Mm -hmm. have to come up with some methodology for making that decision. This is true at the local level, all the way up to at the national level. And, um, I mean, obviously a part of the reason why I'm thinking about this, Scott, is that in our church body, our synagogical conventions coming up in a month, uh, our uh, presidential election is coming up in a few days, um, and I don't. And I don't really want to talk about those things in, in concreto right now. Maybe we can later. I don't know. Um, but but the the concept of saying that there is church politics, uh, I I find um, I find that there are many many people that would just dismiss any kind of politicking, let's mm-hmm. say, yeah. as inherently evil. I agree. And, yeah. Yeah, there is can it be evil? Yep, absolutely. But what do we mean when we say politicking? And again, I think this is a this is true at the local level, at the congregational level, all the way up the chain, across across the board. And I, I don't know. It it bugs me that an entire category is simply dismissed. Uh with uh with the word politics or politicking, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's just my own uh, maybe that's my own issue. I'm not sure, but uh, but I do I do wonder, Scott. Sometimes if we if we operate under a um, under this kind of crazy notion that because we're talking about the church and because we're going to pray for something and because um, and because we're all Christians, mm-hmm. then there will be no disagreements or or Everything will be an all or nothing. Everything yeah. will either be, you know, well, you are either with me or you're going to hell, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, And neither of those are true. That's not how human yeah. beings work. No. And that's not how the church has ever functioned. Not that I'm aware of, at least.
1: Well, I, You know, I know at the congregational levels where, re- you know, for a pastor, this is where it really, you know, hits the heart and, you know, hits home and hits the quick. Um, yep. But, you know, even decisions about, you know, what kind of remodeling you're going to do, um, what sort of, um, you know, staff person you need to call, uh, how to balance the budget. You know, these are going to require persuasion. You right. Know, it's going to require one person or someone group of people persuading others. And, um, you know, this can this that's politics. I mean, that's and, and not in a bad way i don't mean it is a bad thing where it gets bad is where there's where there's deception and where there's character assassination right um you know that this person is is crazy or this person is um boy if you only you know the innuendo if you only knew what you know what this guy you know you know there's just the way we color things the way we
0: frame things um that's where we sin- right and so if we say um slander is is evil. Yeah. Okay. So lying about another person, hurting their reputation, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through the catechism here, taking a truth and using it in order to hurt a person. Um all of these things are are I mean there's no there's no excuse for this behavior. That's mm-hmm. not and and that's but I don't think that that's politics. That's just good old-fashioned sinning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and, and so I, I don't know, maybe this is just my own frustration Scott, but I do feel like um very often, what happens is because that art of persuasion can uh is often used deceptively or poorly in the world around us, we assume that anytime it's happening, that that is the case here and now. And that's um, and that's a difficulty because what that means is is that anybody that therefore is involved in that in any way must be dirty, evil. Yeah. I don't know something. Um, and and it uh, and it bothers me now. Just thinking about things at a, at a local level for a minute. Um, in my mind, when I when I see a a, a topic or an issue that looks like it is going to be controversial in my congregation. And again, uh, we're not talking about uh, a, a, a kind of a straight up and down theological issue, although even there, sometimes mm-hmm. this applies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if that is the case, um, uh, one of my kind of basic premises is no hidden agendas. If my goal is to, is to do something and, and it may be 10 years down the road. Or if I believe as the pastor of a congregation that we should do this and not that, then I think that I owe it to the congregation to be straightforward about that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, um, forcing my will upon the congregation, which is a very different matter. But if I say, this is something that I believe would benefit the gospel in this place and that this is a good practice. I'm not saying, and I think we should start this next week. Um, What I'm saying is, I think that this is a good practice and it would benefit the gospel because if people get used to a pastor who simply speaks the truth and and doesn't, doesn't feel like he has to always kind of decide well, is this going to be politically advantageous or not?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's, that, that is going to set your relationship with the congregation up as it's going, to, it's going to build trust. Because even if people disagree with you or dislike what you're saying, mm-hmm. it's going to be clear on what you're saying and, and what you believe. Um, that has served me pretty well. I have not always practiced that, to be fair, and that has definitely bitten me in the past. But um, being being sneaky is rarely a beneficial thing in the church.
1: Well, and the hard part, you know, you say no hidden agendas, and I, I really think that's a got to be a bedrock, right? You know, that's got to yep. be. the Yep. But even our own minds are are of two sorts, you know. I mean, sure. even in your own mind, you know, it, you you might you might not be. Aware of your motives, <laughs> you know you sure. you, know, uh, you may not be fully aware of all of the motivations that are driving you for saying what you're saying, um, and that's that's just human fallenness, uh, yep. the fallen human nature, yep, um, and you know that's why you know this has to grace has to prevail. We have to have a culture that is permeated with grace and
0: absolution, yep, absolutely, and building that culture in a congregation where you can actually learn how to disagree with one another, but disagree as a family, not as, okay, because you're on the other side of this, you're now my enemy and I am to destroy you. Right. Ultimately, that is not a healthy thing. That's no. not helpful. Um, sure, tempting. And, and I know for me, one of the hardest lessons to learn as a pastor and you would think this would be obvious, but I don't think it is. One of the hardest lessons to learn as a pastor is simply to recognize my people are never, ever my enemy. Even if what somebody is saying is absolutely dead wrong and contrary to the gospel, they are not the, the enemy. enemy. Right. There's only one enemy hmm. and that's Satan and everything that flows from him. And the and even if somebody is is deceived and is and is participating in Satan's lies, that does not make them the enemy. Um and man, of uh, somehow or another, we gotta get that, we kind of have to recover that. But that also means we have to recover a robustness in our language and a willingness to actually kind of speak and recognize. You know, I can think that somebody's full of baloney, and that doesn't mean that I think they're going to hell. No. It just means I think they're full of baloney, that they're right. wrong on something. Right. right. They're wrong or they maybe are
1: immature in a, sure. in, a in a certain way, you know, in right. Right. or don't see the whole
0: picture. Don't or something. see the whole
1: picture. Or maybe I don't see the whole picture. Maybe right. I need to be instructed and, and this is I'm part I'm the problem. Right. You know, that's as you know, I mean that's fair to say yeah um yeah i mean i think there are of course times when people you know i'm not speaking out of experience with this but i think there are times when people um you know become make themselves not not that they become my enemy but that i become their enemy (laughs) you know sure Um, you know oh yeah that that, that happens plenty
0: uh for for most pastors yeah well and 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 hatred is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we just did that verse in Ephesians: "Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil." Um, and that that picture of people uh, and pastors included, of course, um, we 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 fall into winners and losers. We fall into this this pattern of 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 confrontation and of antagonism very very quickly and uh, but we're not often able to separate the antagonism from the uh, uh, from the person that I that again that I can mm-hmm. disagree with someone mm-hmm. and I can even say I don't think that this person is best for this position right because of this that and the other thing that's not that's not somehow inherently evil to say that. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. I, I, yeah, I mean, and that has lots of implications. I think about that, for example, um, every once in a while when you're, when a congregation is calling a pastor, and I know we talked about this early on, uh, is it okay for a pastor to do interviews with a congregation? Well, there are all kinds of different church polity questions behind that. Are, in our church, in our, in our synod, uh, that's allowed. Um, but many pastors don't like it. And I can under, and I can appreciate and I can respect that. Uh, if I'm a congregation, I absolutely want to interview the person who's being the pastor. In fact, I would scream bloody murder if I wasn't allowed to actually interview a candidate because I want to know what this person is actually like, yeah. not just how do they look on a piece of paper. Um, and so at some point you're going to say, I believe that it's this person and not that person. Uh, that that you're going to make a choice and that those choices are based on actual reasons and not simply based on emotions or or anything else. So, I, I don't know. I feel like um, as a church body, we have a lot to learn still about this process. And, and frankly, I think a lot of it kind of comes down to pietism, that we want to believe that that every, because everyone has the exact same theology, that we should never actually have to have any kind of church politics.
1: Yeah, I I I haven't really run into to it expressed that way. Uh, you no, know, where someone is, is, but you know, I mean, like I said, what I seem to find is where where people will 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 label something as politics when it may be political. But they
0: they mean it is just a way to dismiss the issue, right? right. Um, because it's politics. That means that one person or one group of people have some sort of special interest that that may not that maybe you don't know the whole story of. And yeah, yeah I yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I mean, I and I, I having been a pastor in a congregation for a number of years, you know, you you can't get very far, you can't go very long without. Um, congregational decisions needing to be made. And, um, and again, that's where, that's where politicking comes in. You're going to be talking to people. You, you know, you're going to follow the constitution. You're going to follow Robert's rules. You're not going to do anything underhanded, but you also want to persuade the leaders of the congregation, at least to, you know, to, to, to understand your perspective if you have a particular goal in mind. That's what leadership and is. That's what leadership that's is. That's what like leadership the, is and to, and to an extent that's what a pastor
0: is. Yeah. I uh, know, I agree. And and I think how to move that up the chain, if you will, at the in the in the church is a very difficult thing because the farther away that you get from individuals or issues or circumstances, um the the easier it is to dismiss someone or mm. something as you know, some sort of Oliver Stone conspiracy.
1: Mm-hmm, you know sure.
0: because I'm uh, uh, you know just I, I got in the mail, I don't remember a week or two ago, the synopses of all of the people that are up for elections at our church body. And I mean, and I'm looking at all of these names and all of these people and I mean I've been in the synod long enough to recognize half the names maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 60, 70 percent at most. But I don't know all of them, and um, and so I have to make a judgment. I'm not a delegate this year, so I don't have to make this judgment. But if I were, I'd have to make a judgment and say I'm voting for this person and not that person. Yeah. And on what evidence am I going to do that? And what is the wisdom that I'm going to bring to that uh, in order to make in, those intelligent decisions? And that's and, and that's where. If my answer is, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to pray and I'm going to hold out my finger until it lands on the button and I don't know which button it's going to land on, that's not wisdom. I mean, it, this is if if we were using a I know, casting lots process for for appointing an apostle like Matthias, yeah, that would be fine. Um, but um, but we're not, and we don't. And uh, whether we should, I suppose, is a different question, but we don't. And so I have to use the wisdom that God has given me and gather information, whatever means, is, is uh, honest and reasonable. I don't know. That's yeah. just a rant on my part that yeah. it bothers me because uh, I do hear people saying essentially, oh, you know, that's church politics. Therefore and, that, and therefore, it's all evil or it's all irrelevant, and somewhere there has to be a way of actually talking with people with whom i disagree and not um and not and not turning them into the devil there's got to be there is i mean and we do it every day in our families in our congregations at life why would that be any different when we're talking about speaking with fellow pastors or speaking with um you know whether you're talking about at a winkle at a local circuit at level or all the way up to the national Senate. Um, but, uh, but that is not an easy task. That's for no. sure. My friend, well, we, we,
1: we, we rightly recognize that there are lots of, that there are big issues at stake with yep. a, with a synod convention where officers are elected, boards are elected, um, strategies are selected. Right. And, um, a lot's at stake, you know. I mean, I I used to say, even in my congregation, you know, I used to say, look, passing the budget is a spiritual issue. You know, I, I mean, yep. well, how we allocate our funds—something as mundane as that, right? Something yep. as mundane as ha- okay, we have to allocate our money. Um, this is a spiritual issue. You know, if we're doing it wisely, you know, we should we should look at these things as hugely important and, and about the kingdom of God and, you know, but, but we can, I'm with you. I mean, we can do that without demonizing the, the other person who might, might see things slightly differently. Um, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I I don't think we do it particularly well. We're a confessional church body. So people, you know, take doctrine very seriously and, and that's right and good that, that we should do so but at times it means that we probably draw lines in the sand a little too quickly um i don't know but yeah Yeah. i i I find that also frustrating
0: well i for one um uh have been and will continue to pray for all the people that are electing this nautical president and all of those who will be uh delegates at our convention which will be up in a as i said i think it starts in about a month pretty close um, because it is a hard, hard, it's hard work and and it requires a bit of a thick skin. Um, I tell people many, many uh, anytime someone is new to the congregation and and you know they're they're very excited and energetic, they want to get involved. I am always a bit hesitant to put them on a board or a committee, um, kind of get them involved in I'll say the politics of the congregation. Um not because I think those things are bad or evil, but because they do require a level of spiritual maturity mm-hmm. to recognize that, you know, not everything is is just kind of peaches and cream that this is that this is work. It's going to involve sin and forgiveness and reconciliation and kind of building trust and breaking trusts and rebuilding trusts, and it happens over and over again. Yeah. um, it is no easy task. So God bless all those who are delegates. And honestly, I'm a a little bit glad I'm not a delegate this time. Yeah, we've both done um,
1: our due.
0: Yep, we have. We have indeed. So I think to me that this is probably a good time for us to stop talking about church politics and start talking about what brings joy. So what is bringing you joy, Scott? Pray tell.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be very happy to talk about this book that I've got. Um, Is called Grace in Practice, a theology of everyday life, and it's by Paul Zall, Z a h l. He's an Episcopalian priest and theologian. Um, mm-hmm. He was the president of a seminary. Um, I would call him an evangelical Episcopalian. Um, okay, you know what I'm saying. So, yep. so he, he's he's very tuned in to the reformers, to Lutheran, to Calvin. I mean, he's a Thirty Nine Articles Anglican. Um right. You know, but but he he's very tuned in to the terminology and the theology of the of the reformers. I mean, he's talking. Simul used to said, our same time sinner and saint." He's talking about imputation, imputed righteousness, right. total depravity. So. I mean, he's, he is, he's talking about basics of theology. Um, but his overarching theme is that the message of Christianity is one way love. And that's grace, Hmm. one way love. It is, you know, it is God's love directed towards you. And yes, that has ramifications. And yes, that will uh, cause things to happen in you. Um, but it is, it is one way, unconditional. And that's his theme. And, and later in the book, and I haven't gotten that far. I'm only halfway through, but the, just judging by okay. the chap, just judging by chapter titles, later in the book, he starts to talk about, um, grace in families, grace in the schools, grace in the home, okay. grace in society. So I'm very excited. And as he's building up the, you know, grace, 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 I'm very interested to see what he's going to say about, you know, how we, how we apply it. And, and you know what? This, I, let me just say this last thing. I, this is a great book for for a theology nerd because um while you may not as if you're a Lutheran or if you're an Anglican you may not agree with everything he says but um you got to give it to the guy he's got a really clever way of speaking he it's, mm. it's 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 fresh um he's using old stuff old categories but he he speaks and, and it's very conversational um right. You know, there's another book I'm reading, which I won't name, but that's trying to do this from a Lutheran standpoint, and I don't think does it as well, frankly. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, Grace in Practice, A Theology of Everyday Life, it's it's at least, even if we don't agree with everything in it, um, he's got some real powerful um, ways of putting words together to
0: describe what we, you know, what we do confess as Lutherans. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And you're, uh, and you're. Your pick, of course, changed my pick again. Oh, oh no! Thanks, uh, thanks a lot. You're always messing up my picks. I
1: didn't um, need
0: to, but that's a. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, the The book that I'm gonna that I'm gonna pick is a is a book that I am reading in connection with um, in connection with my. Studies for this uh, for this class I'm taking. I've got it's basically an orientation class that I'm that I'm taking at Aquinas Institute of Theology, Um, but uh, but the name of the book is "The Preaching Life" Hmm. by Barbara Brown Taylor. Okay, got it. And and it's a very interesting book uh, for a number of reasons. Um, First of all, it is it take it has taken me out of my kind of my normal comfort zone, I'll say. Um, And, and that's okay. Uh, The, the, the author is an Episcopalian priest and essentially about the first half of the book is kind of looking at what, how did you come to the point of being a preacher? What does it mean to be a preacher? Is that a vocation? Um, Is this a what does it mean to see yourself as a preacher and how does that change how you look at the world which i think is a fascinating fascinating question uh so uh, so there's lots of um so there's lots of kind of avenues to go down that there's a discussion for example about uh an inner call versus an external call that um that i can understand her perspective on it um we have a, a at least in my observation we are uh, pretty skeptical of inner call language that that's that that's just not language that, that Lutherans tend to use um, and and i would suggest shouldn't use but um, and so that plus there's the whole she's a woman preacher and well, we rightly don't believe in women's ordination so that's a that's a whole thing second half of the book is a bunch of sermons and uh, um and and they are they are mostly Maybe entirely, uh, New Testament sermons based on the gospels, pretty close. And, and it's kind of a smattering of different, uh, of, of different, you know, you got a parable, you got a miracle. So you get kind of a different swath of things. So you get a a bit of a picture on how she looks at these texts and how to preach them. And, um, my initial read of it is that some of them are brilliant that that some of them she has a brilliant way of of kind of using a, a personal voice in her preaching that is uh, that's very conversational that that I can imagine communicates very, very well. um but I don't, and I didn't count them out this way, but sometimes I look at that and think, well, that's a beautiful oration. It just has nothing to do with
1: Jesus
0: (laughs) or the, or the forgiveness of sins Uh or, you know, eternal life. I mean, there isn't a lot of resurrection of the body talk. There isn't a lot of sacramental talk. I mean, this is stuff that I would expect as a critique of an Episcopalian. Uh Um, but, uh, but there is a lot of talk about, um, I'll broadly call them social gospel themes, and uh, which is again not too surprisingly not something I preach on a whole lot. Um, and so it's been a, it's been a good exercise for me and kind of stretching my brain to think about what does it mean to have a voice in your preaching, uh, you know how do, how does that come across, um, and and some of those those matters, while at the same time also having me look at it and say okay so what is actually at the core of this sermon what's at the heart of it and why should i care so it's been it has it, been a very interesting read she's a fantastic writer and that definitely helps yeah. but uh, that's the, that's the book
1: that's neat the, you know i mean sometimes <laughs> Uh, you know, don't don't flame me for this, but sometimes there is value in looking and seeing what's out there, right? Yep. You know, I mean, this definitely. is a this is a noteworthy person. Um, I mean, I have never read her books, but but I've I've definitely heard her name. I mean, oh she's, yeah, she's
0: she, written she, dozens she, of books, so. right?
1: Right, I definitely know who she, who, who this person is. And um, just, you know, even though, you know, you, like you're saying, you know, there are things you disagree with. I think it's helpful to know what's out there. And, and really, there are some pretty talented people <laughs> um, who, may not, who may not have everything quite right from our vantage point. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean that they're entirely worthless and, and that knowing what they're saying is entirely. Right. You
0: know, well, valueless. and I think for me, a part of the reason why I wanted to do this demon and preaching is because I want to explore what the relationship is between content and methodology Mm -hmm. in, in so how we preach, how we present that, how does that actually affect the message? And, um, and to ask, where do we draw from in kind of in understanding our own methodology? Is it, what, what is the purpose behind that? And how does that work? So so, uh, so these sort of things are definitely gonna be uh mind stretchers for me but that's a good thing so mm-hmm. uh, I've en- I've enjoyed it very much great awesome. yeah so anything else uh, for our dear listeners my friend
1: no 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 nothing new uh, nothing just, new no thanks for listening give us yeah. a shout out
0: yep absolutely. You can find the show notes at thecruxofthematter.net slash podcast slash uh, 59. I'm frankly not entirely sure how consistent our release schedule is going to be over the next uh, month or two. We, between vacations and these classes that we're taking and stuff, we may be a little bit more sporadic than usual. But we will uh, we will get them out as often as we can, that's for sure. And with that note, thanks a lot for listening. Goodbye.